There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Doug Sprinthal, Andy Brampernard, Mike Gelfand. You got Sprinthal and Gelfand in the studio together. What more could you ask for? It's like better than the Beatles getting back together. The ratings are going through the table. Through the table, yep. baby. It's They're like the going. Eagles were all just staring straight ahead. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody look at Joe Walsh. That's exactly right. Oh, God. That, remember, they used to have to have five different doors to get into the practice. They I, wouldn't come through the I, same they door. They still do that. They, drive, they go to the shows they in separate really? limousines. Oh, Jesus, isn't that amazing? Uh, I can't even sit next to you. Like, what? You disgust me. You disgust me. All right, let's do New Kid in Town. There you go. <laughs> Rick Reno Stevens will join us in a couple of minutes at Johnny Rodriguez Project. Building Bridges includes two songs written by actor and singer-songwriter Dennis Quaid. I didn't even know about this. We're going to learn something from Johnny today. We'll take a break. Be right back with Rick Reno Stevens talking about Dennis Quaid and Tanya Tucker and all kinds of people. What do you think? I think it's going to be unbelievable. You were leaning in. I think were you going to say something? Yeah. What? He was going to say Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer. <laughs> oh, you want to get going? Okay, sir. <laughs> no, it's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, apparently the new stage director here <laughs> on the podcast, Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Did I make the mistake of saying that I missed you and was hoping you'd return from Florida? Yeah, when are you going to come Can back I take in that studio, back? Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Never it. mind. Never mind. We talked about this on the morning show today. We are in need of late model used cars. We'll actually make offers on anything. So there's two ways you can do it. You can go to uh, walzerbuyscars.com, or you can just email me directly at doug at walzer.com, and I'll connect you with the appropriate people. Uh, if you happen to be in a lease, even if it isn't due within a, you know, if, if it's up in the next year, there's a very good chance that you've got a fair amount of equity in that vehicle. Uh, contact us, and we can figure out exactly how much equity you have and then um, help you, give you information as to the best way to proceed, whether you just want to sell it and cash in the equity or roll it into another vehicle purchase. We're here to help because that's the kind of fine people we are. Well, the kind of fine person you are. There's no question. Well, I mean, there's no getting around that. It almost goes without mention. LyingTom.com. No, wait a minute. It's Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? 
Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Just let me know when Rick's ready to go, if you would, Andrew. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's latest? Anything good in the news going on right now? I, I, I literally have been uh, kind of bouncing around back and forth about, uh, you know, you look at the right, you look at the left, you look at Democrats, you look at like Republicans, and then I keep moving closer and closer to the middle here. Boy, it's hard to put up with these people, don't you think? So you're the guy in the middle. Yeah, the one guy apparently left in the middle that I don't have, uh, I cannot endorse anyone or anything. It's just too much for me. You know what I do love, though? <laughs> no matter what happens, like, you almost ra- made the green light, but it, this is Rick Stevens. turned at the last second, and it, you can hear him either go, Trump or Biden. <laughs> they all say the name with great disdain. You ready to go, Andy? Uh, no, that was his answering machine, so... Oh, okay. I don't know what's going on there. Ah, whatever. He's a musician. What do you think was going to happen? Where is he in Los Angeles? Uh, I don't know. Why probably probably just waking up. It's, it's, like when I, it's like when I called Mike yesterday. I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, California. I'll pick you up about 10 to 11. I'll swing by your house, and Mike responds, okay, I'll set the alarm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> which, which is true. That's how I woke up. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, I'm telling you, we got, who? well, my buddy Timmy Ivory, who was a general manager over at Midland Hills and Spring Hill for years, he goes, God, Tom, it's really weird. I don't ever hear your show anymore because I don't get up till 11. It's like, oh, for Christ. Oh. Get, get away from me. Yeah, well, that's, you know, well, you might enough. get to like it. If Time you move to Greenland, then you wouldn't have to get up till 11 either. <laughs> Why Greenland? Because that's the right time zone. That's true. I mean, you can move to, like, England, but then you'd be doing the show at what? Well, I guess it still well, would be. It would be like, oh, no, I suppose that's plus in the six. Afternoon. Yeah, that would be like 11 or 12. So yeah, okay. that would be good. That would actually be perfect. That would work for me. Let's go like to that. England. Let's go the right only, now. The only thing that I really despise, two things I despise, uh, the switch to daylight savings and back. Yeah, I know. And, I, I hate it. And uh, the, the Equinox. 
Well, that'll screw up your brain. But yeah, there's no. Did uh, whatever happened with the bill to get rid of daylight? Did that pass? I think it passed. Didn't I it? hope so, because God, I'm sick. We're all sick of it. Everyone hates it. So you do like, realize in December the sun's going to come up about nine thirty in the morning. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I'm not it. up anyway. Yeah, so, yeah. so am I. Yeah. So that's perfect. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Andy and I. Uh, yeah, exactly. We why know would you, why would you be up at nine thirty anyway? We'll call it the <laughs> Mike, and, and Mike and Andy bill. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I got to get. The Senate up. passed it in March. Yeah. Uh, so wait, it's House then Senate or Senate then House? I always forget. It could go either way. Yeah. Oh, is that it's just whatever? Yeah. Whoever votes first. I mean, typically the House writes the crazy bills and then it goes to the Senate and that they fix it. But sometimes the the House the is the way. weird one. It's always been. Indeed, that is true. I, oh, I just our guest is calling. Okay, good. I'll read this quickly because I just love this. My old neighborhood, they just can't leave North Minneapolis alone. The headline in the Star Tribune, do we eat more fast food because we want it or because it's there? You study asks North Minneapolis. Slow news. very specific. Well, it's right off I-94 and West Broadway. The next few blocks, it's all Wendy's and Taco Bell and Burger King. Well, it's a truck stop, basically. Yeah, it's a truck stop. Yeah, that's that's, that's how right. those things go. It's Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's always in North Minneapolis. It's like, leave my old stomping ground. I was going alone. to a gig there 20 years ago, and there was a guy at the, the freeway <clears throat> off-ramp to Broadway, and he had a big sign, a homeless guy. It said, why lie? I need a beer. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and I rolled down the window and gave him two bucks. I said, I bet pretty good marketing. He goes, it's pretty effective. I would. Well, he, <laughs> and he was just blocks it. away from Irv's. That's right. Oh, Irv's is not And stand-up Frank's. Breaks my heart. We got yeah. Rick on the phone. Rick Reno Stevens, how you doing, Rick? I'm good. How are you doing? Marvelously well. Building Bridges includes two songs written by actor and singer-songwriter Dennis Quaid and a duet with two-time Grammy winner and friend Tanya Tucker. Also features Johnny's daughter, Aubrey Ray Rodriguez. I want to hear all about it. Rick Reno-Stevens, our very special guest, the Johnny Rodriguez Project. What's the latest, Rick? Well, thanks for having me this morning. Uh, we um, have been working on this project for uh, quite a long time. Seems like forever. Um, but with COVID, uh, like everyone else, we kind of got detoured uh, with, with the project. But uh, we're real excited about it. Uh, Johnny Rodriguez um, is the featured artist. We um, are doing this project with Johnny and then uh, got a call from, well, actually, Johnny said, hey, I want to do a duet. I'd love to do it with Tanya Tucker. So I made a call and we got Tanya to come in and do this incredible duet. And she said, hey, I'm, I'm running with Quaid. And I said, Quaid? And I, I didn't associate Dennis Quaid. I thought, Quaid? I, I, I'm thinking, Quaid, do, I, don't, I don't recognize that name as a songwriter, you know? Right. And, and, I said, and I said, Quaid? And she said, yeah, Dennis Quaid. I said, the actor Dennis Quaid? And yeah, so that's how it all happened. And then she, um, you know, Dennis submitted a couple of songs to me, and they were just fantastic i mean dennis is an incredible songwriter and singer and artist as well right and uh so he pitched the songs i, I loved them. johnny loved them more importantly than me but johnny loved the songs and um we ended up doing um two of dennis's songs and one was a duet with johnny and tanya and the other was a trio with johnny Dennis and Tanya sing in harmony. Oh, okay, there you go. Now, were you happy yeah. to find out that it wasn't Randy Quaid she was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, 
I won't get into all that. But <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, I do understand. No question. So, yeah. so where are you from originally, Rick? Uh, I'm from Bakersfield, California. Oh, you are? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I live in Bakersfield. Uh, spent a lot of time in Nashville with my own projects and, and, and uh, recorded there as a young young man and you know when my teens i was there and had a few record deals myself and um so i but i live in bakersfield which is a great place to live for country music i used to love nashville until i went there last year and got covid and then came home other than that rick it was wonderful <laughs> yeah. it's changed a lot through the years for sure but i still love the area oh, i love oh, tennessee no you're right nashville is wonderful but you literally we were there just before uh, we got there on November 11th last year. Rick, you couldn't move in the street. I mean, it was shoulder to shoulder from sidewalk to street to sidewalk. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really a happening town. I mean, for shows and music and just just tour stuff, man. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, food's great too. They do the restaurants are really good. Absolutely. So yeah, for sure. So, Rick, do you still travel as a musician yourself? Do you do a lot of producing? What are you up to these days? Um, I, I do not travel as much as I used to. I, I still do some traveling. Um, as a matter of fact, um, uh, that's how Johnny and I met. I was an opening act for Johnny Rodriguez, and um, and I have opened for and okay. worked with so many artists. I've worked with George Jones and Conway Twitty. I was oh, an opening God. act for them. The best. Oh. Yep, and yep. I, yeah, I was. Uh, I opened for Martina McBride, Tracy Bird, Lone Star, uh, Marty Stewart, just a whole plethora of different people through the years. And and I, but I've been in the business my entire life. I've, I've been playing professionally since I was twelve. My dad had a band. My mom was a great songwriter, and I worked in my dad's band. Oh, and then I. I did some uh, time in production and promotion of concerts. I worked with Garth Brooks and Reba in Alabama. And just, is, just about everybody. Is there a name, name left to drop here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know Jimmy <laughs> Hendrix? I'm sorry, I know that that sounds like name dropping, and it is. But I mean, I just no, I'm envious. A, a quick background. Yeah. yeah, we you know been 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 very blessed to um, you know have worked with so many people through the years and uh, in different capacities, um, and now. I'm really uh, loving the producing side of what I'm doing, and, right, and right. Uh, still writing. I, you know, I'm writing and, and playing a little bit here and there, but <clears throat> just you know, the, as you guys know, <clears throat> the the entire industry has changed. The business model has changed, yeah, and yep. it's it's tough to make it out there as an artist. Oh, I understand. Unless That's you're really established. Is that because of digital? Did di- digital had to have just totally changed the recording industry, hasn't it, Rick? Oh, uh, completely. Yeah, yeah from yep. from the uh, sell side, you know, and and all the you know the, the money has just changed hands, and um, it's just hard to. Um, it's tough to make it out there as a young artist, you know. When yeah. some of these youngsters, I feel sorry for them because uh, they, if they're not making the money on the road, it's very tough to make sales. You know, they yeah. they might have thousands and thousands of, you know, of views, you know, but, but streams, but that doesn't monetize. So. No, Rick, you said that your father and my, your mother was a great songwriter. Your father was in uh, What band was your father in? My, my dad had his own band, um, Billy Stevens and the Stevedores. And, oh, uh, we, I remember that. <laughs> and we, we traveled uh, around and did, you know, uh, just, just stuff around. My, and my mom <clears throat> and he were both signed 
to Capitol back in the day, you know, back when the Bakersfield Sound was happening and um, they were signed with Central Songs. And my mom was, uh, like I said, a great songwriter and Clicky Stone. And those guys signed my mom and my dad. And and it was kind of a short-lived career for them. But um, that's where I kind of, you know, got my musical prowess, if you will. Well, now, Rick, when were they on Capitol? Uh, let's see. I guess that would have been about... 67, 68, 69, in that area, and right in that era, it was a, it was a real short-lived. They were with Central Song, okay. which is a the division of. It was uh, Clippy Stone and and Ken Craig and our Ken, uh, not Craig and uh, Ken. Uh, uh, gosh, my his name's wrong right now, but I'll think of it. Anyways, that that was in that era um, when they were signed and. Uh, they, you know, that was the era of Buck Owens and Merle and Red Simpson sure, and the, the yeah. guys from Bakersfield. That didn't didn't really Buck Owens? Didn't he? Didn't he own a radio station in Bakersfield? <clears throat> yeah, still, still, he's deceased, of course, but he still does. KUZZ um, is, and then he he, he owns several radio stations, but he oh, okay. was best known for KNIX in Phoenix and uh, KUZZ out of Bakersfield. Oh, here. sure. And and Buck was a great friend. He was he was a really good friend and. Uh, um, I miss him. You know, he was yeah. a good guy. That's what I understand. Good to me, for sure. That's what I understand. Yeah. That was situation. Yeah. The only reason I asked you that, Rick, was that from 1975 till 1982, I was a, I was had a promotion in the central part of the United States for Capitol Records. So, but I missed your dad by oh, about wow. two years. Two years, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. Yeah, but well, he. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say there was a lot to do because by, back, I mean, back then, Capital owned it, man. They had everybody from Steve Miller to the Knack to Bob Seeger to you get on the list. Man, we were busy. I will yeah, they tell were, you that. Yeah, they were. They were definitely uh, the trendsetter back then, man. It was. Uh, it was really uh, amazing uh, to you know know that era and read history on it and stuff. It just really was. I mean, that's. And that's really why Bakersfield, the Bakersfield sound, mm-hmm. uh, kind of took off, is because they, you know, Capital was signing country music artists out here on the West Coast, and they and they had distribution, and they had all that stuff that you needed that you know you needed as a record label or to be with the record label. Oh yeah, no question about. It. I tell Coffee you, talks. that was one of my favorite parts of that whole deal. Guy, the guy, vice president of promotion, there was a guy named Bruce Wendell from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And you want to talk mm-hmm. about? I knew nothing about country music. It was, it was, it was like, what are you guys talking about? It's like this music. I never heard this music. So we had the whole. Yeah. It was hilarious. Yeah. What? What the hell? So I mean, so Rick, where can people find the Johnny Rogers Project or Johnny Rodriguez Project? Excuse me. Well, I I, I will tell you that um, we haven't released yet um we are going to um we are going to announce that date uh very very soon um with covid we were backed up like you can imagine with releases manufacturing and this is a special uh kind of project it's not just a release of music this is a it's a box set that's going to be much more than just a cd we we have um, it has a, a CD in it, a DVD in it, and a book in it. And um, so we went around and interviewed lots of people that Johnny has worked with over the years through his career, which is everybody. And um, so we've got these great interviews, sort of a 
mini documentary type thing with the booklet. So it's taken a little bit longer than we would have wanted it to, but um, it's, it's going to be well worth the wait. Do you know about when you'll release it? it it's, it's going to be this summer. Uh, and, and this summer, probably July or August, but but it'll be around that time. We'll have to get you back on the show and talk about it when you release it. I'd love to have you back and talk about it more because... Oh, man, I'd, I'd love to. No, Rick, I, I'm fascinated with the whole thing and being involved because I've been in radio for 51 years except for the six, seven years I spent at Capital. So I've been around the business my whole life, and I just absolutely love it. So things like what you're doing, we're talking to Rick Reno-Stevens about the Johnny Rodriguez Project. Um... I just love talking about the business because you know people in, in general. And I don't think the average person understands. Like the guy, the first time, the, well, Doug, you know this. First time when somebody picks up a Stratocaster, they think, well, I got it made. It's a very, yeah. very tough business, man, and people don't realize how tough it is. The good thing about the music business is that the pay is essentially the same for 95% of the people Zero. as it was in 1968. <laughs> That's very, What's the now musician equivalent of scale? <laughs> Zero. That's that is what, an absolute fact right there, guys. For it sure. is. Yeah. No, I, I, one thing yeah. that's, Rick, isn't it great, though, that you're, you spend your life surrounded by great music? That's wonderful. Oh yeah, man. I I I really um, have been blessed in that in that area for sure. I mean, I've you know I'm from Bakersfield, California, uh, where not not one but two iconic figures in the in the country music who were trendsetters, leaders in the business, hit makers Merle Haggard and Buck Owens, oh, God. and as well as all you know, and all those that paved the way before. You know that there was. Uh, Billy Mines, Buddy Mines, Red Simpson, and so many more that I, I, I know there's so many that I should mention. Bill Woods. And these guys were, were real trendsetters of the business um, that pay, that literally paved the road for guys to make it. Um, and then, you know, of course, there we had all that great music from Merle and Buck and Ever since then, everybody's tried to play guitar like Don Rich or, you know, or sing like Merle Haggard. <laughs> God, isn't that so, amazing? It, it's, been, it's been amazing, really. Rick, do you, uh, um, did you ever you, you spend time around, uh, around Buck Owens? Because I do believe that a friend of mine, Joe McFadden's father, was Buck Owens' manager, if I remember correctly. Yes. Jack, Jack McFadden. Yeah, Jack yeah. McFadden. Joe, well, I worked. Yeah. Well, Joe mm-hmm. worked at Capitol Records. He was a branch manager. Uh, I worked with. Great family. Jack, yeah. Jack's a great guy. Joe McFadden. You couldn't find a nicer guy. It's so great to to, to talk to someone who knows all these people, uh, the, uh, <laughs> all the people we have in common. But yeah, the, the McFaddens, they were yeah. unbelievable. It, and then there was there was the Brumleys, um, yeah. which um, the Brumley Tom Brumley played steel guitar for Buck for many years. Then he went on to, with Ricky uh, Ricky Nelson, and then he went on with the Desert or no, excuse me, uh, Ricky Nelson. I forget where he went, there, but he played on lots of stuff. And then his brother Jackson Brumley uh, was also in the music industry, and he managed some, he did a lot of dates for Buck and Merle and a lot of people. And then their father Al Brumley. Uh, was the songwriter, uh, amazing songwriter of all the gospel hit tunes like "I'll Fly Away," "Turn Your Radio oh, On," sure, yeah. "In the Morning," and so there's there's this great uh, there's this uh, uh, you know history that we have here in, in in our city in Bakersfield of all these people, you know. 
It is a great thing. Now, Rick, we got it. Like I said, as soon as you release it, you got to come back. We got to schmooze again. We'll we'll talk about a bunch of other yeah. people we know in common. Let's do that, man, for sure. We will get it done. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, guys. Have a great Bye-bye. day. See, I do love talking to guys in in the music industry about, I mean, Jack McFadden was Buck Owens' manager forever, and I didn't mention one part of it because Rick was on the phone, but I do remember that uh, Joe McFadden, his son, who was a very big, strong guy, matter of fact, very quick uh, Joe McFadden story. He was a branch manager. I was the head of promotion, so we spent a lot of time together. One time, we're going to go see, matter of fact, Ricky Nelson. He was talking about Ricky Nelson. We're going to go see Ricky Nelson over at the old Guthrie, the old mm-hmm. one over there. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, the old one over there. I mean, I remember when he was there, yeah. Yep. So Joe's driving. We pull in. It's a beautiful, sunny summer night, Yeah, just gorgeous. And as we pull in, you go from bright sun to darkness inside the parking you know, garage, mm-hmm. so you can't see a damn thing. And Joe pulls into an open spot. Well, it turns out that that spot was handicapped, but he couldn't see the sign because he was, mm. you know, had that dark lightness, darkness, blindness. And <laughs> this woman, uh, she was probably, oh, I'd say seven, eight months away from the last bath she took. And not a small person, if you know what I'm saying. I'm about seven or eight minutes away. Seven or eight minutes, yeah. yeah minutes, months, what the hell's the difference? Yeah. So all of a sudden, we haven't even gotten out of the car yet, and we hear this, you stupid bastard, what are you doing, you moron? And she's just calling him a bastard, and you idiot, and you moron. And so she's just, he gets out, and he's looking at her, and she's just railing on him. I mean, she just will not stop calling him names, and you're an idiot. Look stupid, can't you see there's a no, no parking, blah, 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 blah. And she finally shuts up, and he goes, thanks, beautiful. <laughs> wow. I thought it was great. Uh, I did. I I'm, that I'm was still wonderful. intoxicated by just hearing the names of all these great country people because, you know, I, I kind of, this was my scene. I, I, I split my time when I was a teenager, maybe 17 or so. Yeah. I split my time between, between country music and, uh, and KUXL, soul music. Oh, absolutely. And, and, absolutely. and there really was more in common. Those two genres had more in common than most people think, but... I remember Johnny Rodriguez. Uh, his yeah. first hit was "Thumbing My Way to Mexico." Thumbing my way to Mexico. Remember that one? God. And of course, Tanya Tucker. Uh, you know, I mentioned this to you before the show. I I saw her in St. Cloud. She was I don't know. She might have been fourteen, fifteen. God. And yeah, that's about right. And I I was a cub reporter at the Minneapolis Tribune, and oh. I convinced my editors who didn't know it. You know, they didn't know who she was, of course. I, I convinced them that. She was a big thing, and let me go. Let me go uh, uh, to see the concert. That's all I really wanted to do. But also, I would I would do a review. And times have changed. Oh yes. And you know Tanya Tucker. I mean, at fourteen or fifteen, I think that's about the time when she was. Uh, she had a relationship with Glenn Campbell. <clears throat> yeah, she did. Yeah, and uh, and I wrote. I went in the review. I you. I mean, you couldn't write this. You couldn't have written this twenty years ago, let alone then. But I wrote that there were all these all these men, grown men, older men, in the audience, and I said they could have been arrested for statutory leering. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, you, I remember you could not that, write absolutely. that today. Uh, no. no. Well, 
something I was going to do that I'm kind of glad I didn't do because, you know, Rick Stevens is talking about his father in the business and this and the other. I was hoping his father was Ray Stevens, you know? Yeah. Say, did... How many copies of Ahab the Arab? <laughs> Ahab the Arab was his biggest yeah. hit, I think. Well, and the streak. Right? Oh, the streak was oh, huge. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A big hit. The streak was huge. That's true, but it's not up there and with I'm coming my... my way to Mexico. But no, yeah. I understand. I think he also wrote "I'm my own grandpa," didn't he? I think so. What? I don't remember that. Oh, it's a it's a very weird song. It's a novelty tone. Now, like I remember everything that, yeah, that he my did. aunt and my sister yeah. are the same person, et cetera, So he goes et through this whole genealogical yeah, thing, and I'm. And he, he turns out he's his own grandfather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was basically a play on incest. Uh, kind of. Yes, kind of. Yes, exactly. But it's, right. it's actually quite clever. <laughs> in a, I can listen to it once way. We have to take a break, but I just saw, and it's too bad. I obviously haven't seen him in years, but course worked with carol channing a lot back in the day robert morris has died yeah i saw that god he was just he i don't care how old he got he still looked like he was about he, 15 he years had old that kind of chipmunk face you know? <laughs> he did have the chipmunk and you're face. right he, he was 80 and he looked like he was 18 yeah he just died apparently broadway star and of course uh well he was on mad men yeah, he was on Mad Men. That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, that's that's how people would connect with him. Maybe you know more recently. But Bert Cooper, right? Bert Cooper. That's Bert right. Cooper, yes, yeah. great actor. He was. I I always enjoyed his work, and he loved working with Carol Channing. Man, I tell you that. That's a fact. But we do have to take a break. Be right back. We'll schmooze, and then who's your special guest for Car Selling Secrets? There, it's just the boys today. Where's what? your wife, by the way? I need to get that Honda. She said she'd She's, be here at 11.30, and it's 11.50, which is Catherine time. Okay. Let's not forget she's a... Why? You don't have to leave for another hour and a half. What's the problem? No, it's fine. <laughs> what, do you got to get it? Do you got to get it out of here? I do. I got to get it... I, I just got a lot going. It's okay. It'll be fine as long as she's coming. Well, she'll be here before you leave. Okay. Or do you have to get it there No, 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 that's fine. Time. As long as she's here before the show's over, that's fine. Well, you know what? Fine. If she's not, I'm going to make her walk home. <laughs> That'll show her. I told everybody that, that story. on it. Catherine has a new deal, and it's hilarious. When I talk to her, if she doesn't want to hear what I'm saying, she will pretend she can't hear me. Like I'm mm. talking far away that you are. It's taken this long in the marriage? No, it's... That it's, was like my honeymoon. It's way over the top, though, is the problem. <laughs> it's not even a what. She just ignores me. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, I just yap away. And then <laughs> All right, we do have to take a break. We'll be right back in a couple of minutes with the family. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. 
Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender? You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. And we're back with Tom and Catherine fight on the phone. <laughs> over oh, you. I know. The great Catherine and I are fighting over Doug. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Welcome to my world. My wife, I was just talking to the guys that she pretends she can't hear me when she doesn't even want to hear me. So we started at 11, and then she said, well, I can't be there until, until like 11.30. I said, yeah, 11.30 would be fine. She called me and goes, so you still want me there by 1.30? I'm like, <laughs> what? Oh, boy. But she's, she's coming. She's coming. Over. She'll, she'll be here long before 1, she said. Perfect. I guess we'll see. So what's in the news that, that, that you guys are enjoying? Anything? There's not much to enjoy. No. Everybody's nuts, aren't they? It just. I, although I will tell you, we had a young man who was born in Vietnam. His family left Vietnam. They ended up in America, and he's uh, he's uh, acting in movies now. His name is Key K E. Mm-hmm. The first thing he did, and I didn't ask him. I didn't. I, I had never talked to him before, or whatever. He went on and said, I really, really wish the people of America would understand what a great place they live in. I, I, I am really offended by the fact that Americans berate America constantly. You don't like it here, you're going to wish you lived there if you move somewhere else. <laughs> That's basically yeah. what he said. Yeah, here Vietnam's not a great place to live. Oh, can you imagine <laughs> living in Vietnam? Uh, Woo! Maybe a little better than it was, say, in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the lack of napalm helps. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no napalm getting in your cousin's jeans. Well, that would be the Agent Orange. Well, people, oh, that'd be Agent Orange. People right. are being told all the time, you know, what a, what a horrible place this is. You they know? are, yeah, you're right. And, and people, eventually people will believe it. Well, yeah, they're believing it now. Yeah, that's what ways. I'm saying. Yeah, that's what you're told from birth. That's what you're going to believe. But I tell you, honest to God, and I'm not kidding you, it's it's just, it's just gotten really, really hideous. Some of the things these people are just nothing can make them happy. Nothing, mm-hmm. and I just don't understand why do you want to be that miserable? 
Well, you know, I mean, democracy, of course, isn't helping. So we should try something else because this is a shithole. So let's just scrap <laughs> democracy and exactly. go with an autocracy. And that's exactly it, isn't it? That's pretty much it. I mean, we just... Uh, Oh, it's a horrible place. But well, I, you know, I, I'd like to visit Portugal someday. But that's about it for me. Yeah. I, uh, whatever. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna like go down to the go downtown at uh, at two a.m. on a no. Saturday. No. But other than that, uh, I feel pretty good about about what's going on. I mean, compared to, of course, what it could be. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Yeah, we do. I did something kind of fun Saturday that has a Minneapolis uh, connection. So we, our house in Rosemont is it's just ginormous, and it had this, it was kind of a cafe set up that it had a recording studio uh, in, and we moved that into another room. So we just had this bar sink and a counter, and he said, you know, why don't we make it into a bar? That'd be kind of fun. So we put in bar counters and stuff. And I thought, you know what would be kind of cool would be to take a bunch of black and white photos of iconic Minneapolis bars and we'll put the outside black and white pictures and then take color pictures of the inside of bars. So I took my camera, drove around Saturday, and I went to Matt's. I went to the Schooner Tavern. I went to up and down Washington Avenue, Runyon's, Whiskey Junction, the 90s, Bar Lucrat. Uh, liquor Lyles, all the sort of stuff, and it was it was kind of fun to go back into town. And if you remember, Saturday was one of the few not shitty days in the right. month of April right. in the Twin Cities. It was the day you came back. Right. It was kind of, it was, and I posted all these pictures on Facebook, and man, everybody's like, "God, what a great idea! How fun is that?" And I and they started telling bar stories of the heydays of Minneapolis. I, I didn't realize that the Whiskey Junction was closed. Uh, it's just oh, that's covered right. it just, with, gra- yeah. with graffiti, although the joint and the caboose are open. Um, I took pictures of Palmer's, and it was it was just it was kind of a fun exercise. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. that's you know you just named so many places I used to love to hang out at all those places back in the day. Oh yeah, you know it on was, the West Bank, you know uh, when I was in college, we'd we'd go over the Triangle. Oh yeah, like every oh, yeah, Friday. Sure. And if you were lucky, and actually didn't have to be lucky, because usually uh, Willie and the Bees were playing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, what could be better? Willie and the Bees, the Triangle, the Grain Belt on Tap? I spent about every Wednesday for from 85 to probably 90 at the Five Corners watching the Hoop Snakes play on Tuesday. Oh, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were, that was just uh, so much fun. Wasn't that fun? The Triangle over there, is that still open? I don't think it's a bar. The building's still there. Because it's, it's that pointy yeah. brick building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Because it was a triangle. Yeah, yeah it was a triangle. Mm-hmm. The building was a triangle. That's what it's called. Yeah, it was a great place. It yeah, was. The 400 bar is now, a, that's a, a mosque. Yeah, right, right. It's a so mosque. it didn't change much. No, no. Same story. No, we used to hang out at the 400 more than any other place, you know, uh, because yeah. the 400 was, it was sort of a counterculture bar, you know. Yep. It was. Uh, Today you uh, you wouldn't really want to go in there because you know you you wouldn't have an inch of space between you and the next person. Yeah. But uh, but they, and they always had the best the best pinball machines. I loved pinball back oh. in the day. Didn't you love playing pinball when you were a kid? I loved pin. I still do. Do you really still I, play? I God. you know I went to university high school. Sure. And so I had to take the bus. Uh, downtown and back, and I always transferred downtown. Well, like where, where did you live? Well, uh, 
in the beginning, when I was in seventh grade, I was living on Creighton Avenue. Oh, okay, but, okay. But my family moved to West Minneapolis, and and so I I uh, like you know I there was no way I wanted to be home. <laughs> if you right, right, known about right. where I was living and what the scene was like, you didn't want to be there. And so, you know, I didn't want to get home at four o'clock. So I went downtown and I would spend like two hours at Rifle Sport and Playland. Oh, this God, is so amazing, Mike, it. because I went to Marshall U, it was known when I right. went there. Yeah. Um, and we lived on Franklin and Penn Avenue, right at the right across the street from Kenwood Park. Sure. And I took that. I still remember. Was it the six A? And then you had to transfer. Yeah, the sixteen A. Sixteen A. That's right. Yeah. To go to high school. Yeah. We were, I was just five years behind you on the same route. Yeah. And and the great thing was, uh, when I was fifteen or sixteen, the the bus uh, the bus going home, if I timed it right, would. If I wanted to go home a little earlier, would stop at St. Margaret's. Oh yeah, oh and, yeah. And you know, I have to say, you know, those Catholic girls in the white socks <laughs> and the plaid skirts. So you were on Golden Valley or on the on the the uh, Theater Worth Parkway? The, Theater Worth, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, right, that right, that was the corner right there, baby. Yeah, and I mean, I just always wanted to scream to the bus driver. <laughs> Don't go! Don't go! <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't go There's away! There's something wrong with your tire. <laughs> you know, honestly, God, you just gave me this great memory. I haven't thought about this in 50 years, probably. But back in the day, when I was a teenager, to get into Playland, you had to prove you were 18 years old. Really? Yep. I did not know that. Playland, if you weren't 18, you couldn't play the video game. Or not video, they weren't video games. No. They were... Uh, what the hell were that? What what do you even call those games? I guess. Well, they they had. I mean, of course, it was back in the days when pinball machines were mechanical. Yeah, they were mechanical. Yeah, yep. and and that baby. was a great thing. You know, there there it's it's trendy now. There there are places that have like you know hundreds of pinball machines. Dave and Buster's yeah, do. That's yeah, that's hear. right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And and the uh, and the attraction for people who have lived through the era of mechanical machines is is the mechanical pinball yeah. machines yep. which are completely different you can do things with them you can't do with the digital ones and you need like 1200 to get a free game not not 12 billion yes and the, and the you know the, the ball isn't going 80 miles an hour so you can actually do things like freeze the ball on the flipper but yeah but you can take one look at the pinball machines, and the way you know if they're genuine mechanical machines mm -hmm. is there'll be a sign on them that says out of order. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got that right. So exactly. we were talking about Las Vegas on the drive over here, and if, you, if you're if you forced to go again... Oh, the pinball museum? <laughs> yeah. It's fabulous. That's, I would want to go to Las Vegas just to see the pinball. It's like the Pinball Hall of Fame, right? My stepson, when he was 15, became infatuated with pinball. This kid, kid was born in 1997, but really 1957. Mm -hmm. And he found it, and so I said, well, let's go. And it was, it was an old converted grocery store, and there must have been 200 old machines in there, oh, some God. of them back to the 20s. Oh, I mean, there's wow. some really collectible well, like stuff. Like Bagatelle. Yeah. Um, old hippie couple runs it. She takes the tickets, really? and he's got the thick glasses and the so repair belt, there. and he's always fixing it. Oh, this is this is like God. Valhalla to pinball fans. Yeah, and I got to go. mad because they're getting go, older, baby. and they're starting to sell some of these machines off yeah. that are worth like you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars oh, a piece. Yeah. yeah I and I talked to the guy. I said, "This is a really cool." I said, "You know what you ought to do? 
take like three or four machines out of the corner and sell merch. And he goes, what's that? And I said, well, have somebody <laughs> make you T-shirts yeah. that say yeah. Pinball oh, World I Hall of Fame. Yeah. You can buy them for five bucks, sell them for 20. He goes, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> good plan. i got to check that out. You know, it was really, for, for a 16-year-old kid, the it, pinball machines... Tr- basically transported me to another world. Oh yeah, I loved it. And I man. and I know there are things today that will do the same thing, but you got you got to think about it. okay, OCD, perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Clinical depression? Yeah. You got it. That's ADHD, true. ideal. It was like I just wanted to live there. No, I understand absolutely. Look, I spent many free periods at Marshall. You remember Valley Pizza? Well, of course. Sure. You could get in. The, you could get in there and buy beer when you were, if, as long as you were over like five six. They didn't care. <laughs> and, and there was, and if, <laughs> one slice of pizza had enough had enough grease on it to lubricate a car. Right. That's right. But if you went in the basement, they had a little three two bar down there, it was yes. just filled with pinball and air mm-hmm. hockey machines. And oh, that's God. that yeah. was the reason I was a B student. I think. I understand. I tell you, honestly, God, this, uh, oh, I had mentioned Playland. The fact that you had to be eighteen to play the games mm-hmm. there. You know, Andy, here's one for you, because these two fellows would understand this. What did I have to show them to prove that I was 18 years old? Because I didn't have a driver's license. Remember, I didn't start driving until I was 21. Mm-hmm. So what did I have to show them to prove I was 18, Andy? I know. Draft card? You That's got right. it. Yeah. My draft card. I had to show them my draft card. And then the other thing, what did you guys call it when you're, either your right hand would jam the machine or your left hand would jam right. the machine? What did you guys call doing that? It was, it was gunching. 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 Very good, yeah. man. You remembered gunching. Oh, sure. I gunched with the best of them. I loved to gunch. More formally, it's called tilting. <laughs> tilting? Well, that's, that's if you gunch too hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you gunch well, the, too uh, hard. Newer, well, newer, as in, like, you know, probably post-60s or something, they have the tilt sensor. But I think the, they the, all the, do. The old, old ones didn't have tilt sensors because oh, really? they didn't really think about it. No, I suppose. Some of them you could you could uh, you know you could beat them like a rented mule. Exactly. <laughs> and some of them you just basically touch them. Too and, soon, Mike. Too soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah there you <laughs> Sorry. Go. Well, I you know I I did the best I could to work around that Indeed. one. Indeed. And you know um, I remember that with the draft cards because um, I didn't want to go to Vietnam. <laughs> no, I understand. And call me crazy. I did call not want to go. Call me crazy. You and I was one A. And, yeah, me too. And I was sitting in, in uh, David Kolachi's basement. We were listening to some Hendrix. We were, you know, we were 18 at the... No, we were actually a little older at the time. We were about 20 at the time yeah. when, when they had the lottery. Yes, I was in the lottery. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the higher number you got, the better off you were. So, yes. you know, we were there listening, and some guys were pissing and moaning, and others were celebrating. And uh, my number came up. It was 356. Really? I took out my draft card, rolled a joint with it, and we smoked my draft card. <laughs> you know, my number was 27. Oh. That's not good. No. 27. I never had to go, though. Oh, I guess I, it worked out. Well, it did work no, out. I'm trying because... to remember, because didn't they have, wasn't it like a big cage with balls that they would pull numbers like out of? Powerball? That's bingo. I, I don't remember, because. Well, I think it was, the, I think it was the same thing. I think it was. But yeah. we were listening on the radio, so, yeah. I, so yeah. I don't think there was TV live coverage at the I time. I think, I, well, yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, they probably wouldn't have computerized it, because generating true randomness with a computer is actually very difficult. Yeah. Especially back then, because that would have been uh, mostly analog computers, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, that was a long time You ago. really can't generate randomness with an analog computer very well. I love that memory. 
Mm. The sergeant at the draft center in the federal building downtown Minneapolis, H A H A I G H T, Sergeant, sergeant Hate. Hate. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought, but my favorite that day was when I took the, I, I took the physical and I failed because I had a huge hernia from lifting weights. Mm. So I didn't. That's why I never went to Vietnam. I was drafted in the Marine Corps, by the way. Oh, so I would nice. have gone to Vietnam, no doubt. But I'm standing there and there's this gigantic black kid in front of me. This guy was like 6'4", probably about 240, just put together, right? Well, it's time for the, for the anal exam, right? Why would they need to do that? Oh, they had they looked up everybody's butt, mm. I suppose. I don't know. Really? What, uh, I, don't know oh, I had no idea. Just in case, oh, I yeah, suppose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But my favorite thing about the guy in front of me, and again, he was a huge fella, right? Mm. Very muscular. And so they do the exam on him, and I'm next. And just before he leaves, the doctor says to him, you know, I, I should uh, warn you that it's not really healthy because uh, i got to be honest with you. The What is that? That's him drawing numbers out of a bucket. Oh, yeah, close. there you go. Yeah. There you have it right there, That's drawing numbers. Like. I've that never seen exactly that before. Like yeah. So the doctor like says said, to the yeah. gigantic guy after doing the anal check, he goes, you know, just I'm trying to help you along with this, but uh, it's rather dirty up there. <laughs> and the guy looks at him and goes, do you think you can find up there ice cream? <laughs> I thought it was one. I it was, and I literally got in a lot of trouble because there were five segments to the test, mm-hmm. the draft test that you had to take. There were five different things. There was like math, there was, you know, English, there was all these different things. And I aced four out of the five, and I failed miserably at the fifth one, and the fifth one was mechanics. Mm. Ah. And the guy thought I did so poor, and I didn't. <coughs> But he thought I did so poorly that I cheated to try to get out of the draft. <laughs> well, you know, it was always it was always said at the time that you had to be a genius to fail the intelligence test because yeah. you had oh, to yeah. know all the answers so you could you could say the opposite. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's exactly right. But I, yeah, I nailed four out of five, but that fifth one I failed miserably. I think I would have failed that because, as far as I know, I was the only person in the history of University High School who failed shop. Oh yeah, I was right there with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that shop was not good. <laughs> and oh, then God. I and then I so then I turned to home economics. Would you make a cake? Uh, well, the thing I remember best, first of all, there were 19 girls and me in there, oh. and they didn't like me there. They haven't. They didn't think. What? It was, no, they didn't like having me there. And the teacher didn't like having me there. She oh, was somewhat God. resentful. I liked having me there. Yeah, oh yeah, I yeah. would imagine. You know, I was 14. The thing I remember best is is when we we made uh, we made a quick quick and tasty pizza it was uh, a refrigerate pillsbury refrigerated roll with ketchup and velveta cheese oh, oh, Jesus. and this is um, university high school we're quick, supposed to be yes. on the cutting edge i don't know about the tasty part oh God. <laughs> i don't know about it either at least it was heinz though Oh, it was Heinz ketchup. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't that crappy stuff? No, not that uh, stuff that, uh, like, Del Monte. If you, if you went into yeah. a restaurant well, Del Monte, and yeah. they had Del Monte, you just got them left. No, I understand. It's too sweet. No, it just wasn't the real deal. It was very, very, I mean, you're right. It was kind of liquidy and real sweet mm-hmm. instead of having mm-hmm. some substance to it. I've never been a ketchup fan, though. We get, we get uh, sugar-free ketchup. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I yeah. can't. Stomach normal ketchup. No, it is. It's, it's way, way too sweet. Yeah, it is. It's way over. It's like the take top. a tomato and cover it in molasses, and there you go, ketchup. Got all of those things in our youth. How <laughs> wonderful is that? 
How wonderful what, it is like to the be Vietnam young. War? No, in fact, we didn't have to go to the Vietnam <laughs> no, War. There you go. Well, True. I lost five friends in the Vietnam War. Oh, five kids yeah. I went to school with or lived in my neighborhood were killed in Vietnam. Um, yeah. First one, they bring him back, and you could see the blood still in his head when you took a bullet oh, right God. in the forehead. Oh, man. It was like, hey. Well, if you had to pick a war to skip, I'd say probably World War One and then Vietnam. Because World War One was oh, pretty bad. God. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Was not that I was around for it, but you know, I think the Civil War. I, any well, war God, before they had anesthesia. That's true. Civil War was bad. Was it seven hundred fifty thousand people or something? Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, it, it was. Proportionally, awful. it was the deadliest war in American history it was, yeah. by quite a bit. Yeah, well, because you know, it, it you, you didn't survive anything. No, no, you didn't. No, you, you, you scratched and did. yeah, that's yeah. It, the bacteria. You're dead. So I just, Fun I, time to live. We had this that discussion one day about whether Lincoln today would have survived. Oh, because it was from the gunshot? Yeah, it Bullet was an interesting, brain, I, interesting yes. discussion. And, you know, we kind of went back and forth. And, of course, I went online afterwards, and there were, there were like, detailed essays on, on the same question. Huh. And even the great experts couldn't agree whether you would survive it today or not. Oh, they could, okay. Basically, I think the consensus was you'd probably survive, but you'd be brain dead. Which is probably so worse than dying. Yeah, it's not so. good. Worse than dying. Johnny, get your gun, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, um, I just saw a couple of days ago the final words that Abraham Lincoln spoke. Do you know those? I don't think I so. I had no idea the final words, and I had never seen it before. This play sucks? Yeah. This play... <laughs> You know, I liked uh, the other one much better. No, he, apparently he leaned over to kiss his wife, mm. and she said, oh, I don't know if you should kiss me in public like, like this. And he said, please, dear, the only one who cares that I'm kissing you is me. And then he got shot right in the head. Whoa. How cool is that? You know, it's funny because I would have to be shot in the head to say, no, never mind. <laughs> I don't want to go there. Well, he thought see. it was West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. actually got the autopsy report, so you can tell exactly what happened. Okay. Uh, went in through the occipital bone, which is the back of the head, Ooh. about one inch left of the median line. Ooh. Um, passed through the left posterior lobe of the cerebrum. Not entered good. the left lateral ventricle. So he was done no matter what happened. Yeah, uh, yeah no, it wouldn't have been. Would have been pretty? Yeah. You wouldn't hey. want to survive that wound, I would say. Did, yeah, did I ever tell you my dad's final words? No. Well, my dad. Can I borrow a twenty? He wasn't. He, no, that was my dad. <laughs> oh, okay. was those were my words to my dad. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. It's what Mike said to his dad. I, I, no. get, your, I get your childhoods confused because you're a little similar. In- yeah, yeah right. there's some similarities. No, he. Um, you know, my dad. He was. He was really on the cutting edge of the whole "you are what you eat" thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he. He. Uh, his idea of dinner was a. Uh, unseasoned piece of halibut oh. possibly made in the microwave yeah. <laughs> and a, no and a baked either. potato oh my god no he there was no, yeah. my dad never had salt pepper butter any of that in his house no really and actually i i'm almost the same but not quite and you have uh, a little flavor do you uh well For a different I, reason i have pepper yeah i don't have salt and i don't have butter but right. i do have pepper right um, I always said my dad there was no spice in his life at all, which was pretty Thank much you. true. Thank you very much. So, so he um, he he was in this this ward for people who were not likely to do well because his dementia, had, you know, was was right off the charts, yeah. and he was dying. And um, the the um, the nurse brought him dinner, and it was of course a typical dinner which you'd see in a in a memory ward. You know, it was meatloaf. 
lots of gravy, mashed potatoes, oh, lots of gravy, oh, God. and maybe apple crisp, right? <laughs> and my dad, she had, he had not, she, I talked to her about this, and she told me he really hadn't spoken a complete sentence at all, you know, in the three days he'd been there. And my dad looked at the food, looked up at her, and these are the final words, as far as I know, that my dad ever spoke. It was, I don't eat that shit. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it. Yeah, you know those final words. My mother didn't die, but the final words she ever said to me were great. Oh, yeah. I, rem I sort of remember. What was it? She was, I had to leave town for business, mm -hmm. and she was at the... What a ho hospice, hospice care or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, she was in hospice. She was in hospice, and I held onto her hand. She was lying in bed, and I held onto her hand. Oh, by the way, I should mention, going into a room, a Jamaican man was, I don't know, what is that, an orderly, I guess is yeah. what it is? sure. He comes on, and he's laughing his ass off, just laughing. And I said, what's that all about? He goes, man, your mother is something else. And I said, why? What did she do now? He said, I was giving her a bath. And she looked over her shoulder at me and said, you know, you're the first black guy that's ever seen my butt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He thought that was hilarious. But, yeah, her final one, she was, she was on the bed, and she held her hand out. She couldn't sit up or anything. She, had, she was lying down. And I said, Mom, I'm going to be gone for about a week, so I'm not going to see you for, you know, seven, eight days, something like that. And just I want to tell you I love you and all the rest of it. And uh, she said, I don't know, Tom, if I'm going to still be around when you get back in a week. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it that long. And I said, Mom, you'll make it that long. But you know what? If you don't, don't worry about it. You, you love the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And, you know, you, when you die, you'll meet the Virgin Mary. You meet Jesus. It'll be, it'll be a glorious and wonderful time. And she looked up at me and said, and I quote, yeah, well, don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. Say like, thanks, Mom. B.B. King's favorite line. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die, baby. we got to take a break here. That first hour flew by. It did. That's called conversation, baby. Uh-huh. Sure is. All right. Uh, car selling secrets is up next, pal. Are you ready? No, I'm never ready. You're not ready. Okay, well. I've learned, I've, I've learned show prep from you. Here we go. As usual, no show prep. We'll be back. <laughs> 